Hello and welcome to the Future of Learning show. Today I have Adam Harwood on this show and we are going to reflect on his experiences with ASOS. So at the time of doing the recording, Adam was just finishing up in this role and he's done some really great things. So if you're not familiar with Adam's work, go ahead, Adam on LinkedIn, check out the Twitter link on the podcast description page and really read about some of the great things he's done. But a lot of that comes to life here. So there's loads and loads of practical tips that we can all take away. What were you doing and what, you know, what was or is your background before you joined ASOS? Um, I guess it's a question I can ask back, Lloyd, is how far back do you want to go? Uh, um, I so guess... From my, from my perspective, yep. learning in pedagogy has always been there. So I've done my teacher training, but I was doing sports coaching at school. I was the school captain for the football team and all of that. So in my mind, learning um, and has always been part of what I do. So um, how far back does learning or your kind of USP go back? That's a... that's a, uh, yeah, Now, okay, cool. I'm with you. Um, I... Um, well, I know for sure when I was younger, like really young, I used to love making mixtapes. That, so that was that was the first sign. And like someone once told me a nice quote I always use is you are what you share. So I like for, for, for starters, I was like, I love sharing stuff. So that was maybe my first like feeling of like, OK, well, like this is this. Is, I like sharing my knowledge. And that that was linked to that. But ultimately, my career in terms of training, learning and development um, started um, when I was working at Thomas Cook and, um, you know, if you look back at my LinkedIn profile or my career, um, it, what it won't show you is I first started as a holiday rep. That was my role. So for those who don't know what holiday rep is, it's essentially when you arrive on a package holiday in, let's say Magaluf, um, I'm there with a clipboard welcoming you and then trying to get you to go on a camel safari. Um, that was my role for a little bit. And then I got pretty good. I went up to a certain level, um, like manager level, and then I was training other reps on how to be a rep, uh, essentially. And that was my first introduction to training and development, and I enjoyed it. I think it was uh, a role that I could see myself doing some good stuff in. And and then from then onwards, my all of my spots that I've landed in my career have always been around learning and development. Nice. Sounds like that time flew by. Uh, it really did, yeah. I'm uh, thinking back to it now. Uh, yeah. So, and then I, I guess my uh, where I went from uh, from the perspective of the industry I went to, uh, I went from tourism uh, to retail. I spent some time in like Poundland, Ted Baker, and now I found my find myself at ASOS right now. Okay. What were the mix mixtapes on? Sorry, what were the mixtapes um, on? What what was it? Uh, yeah, I, I I've always been a fan of like rock and indie emo alternative, and I think I remember like recording songs off the radio and then packaging them up, giving it a like a volume number, and then giving it to my brother or a friend, and that was that was uh, that was what I did. Uh, I, but I I did remember. I also remember as well that I when previous girlfriends I've had I used to like make mixtapes for them as well and that's maybe why they're now ex-girlfriends not current girlfriends <laughs> we can all uh, sense that pain we've all been there yeah we can we can move on swiftly from yeah, that point yeah. you should share those mixtapes so that's gonna be a cool <laughs> so, um, yeah 
So you joined ASOS then. Uh, what was your role? What was life like at ASOS from a learning perspective? You know, what what was the team structure that you worked in? Three, three yes. questions there, but you know, you get the gen, you get the general feeling. Okay. Um, so I started at ASOS in 2014, and I mean, if if anyone who doesn't know what, who who ASOS are, you know, I mean, just take one look online, and you know, you'll see that we are a very forward thinking, progressive. Um, online fashion company that has, you know, appealed to the 20-somethings since 2000 and continues to do really well. And I think that it was very clear to me from from day one that this is a company that I'd be able to be very creative in and try new things. But from what when I first walked in in terms of the L&D role, uh, and I was going in at a L&D partner role, and there was other partners there, and there was also, we had a manager, uh, but the, the kind of setup, I guess, was that we would partner up with an area of the business and those needs or those requ- requirements from the business area would come to you. You'd be the point of reference and then you'd then put them on relevant courses or whatever else. And that was kind of how it went really. But when I kind of, if I tried to kind of paint a picture of what was, you know, what was it like if you were in a ASOS of that, uh, in 2014 in terms of development, I, if I'm totally honest with you, it, it was a curriculum of courses. It was mainly, you know, workshops and they were well attended. I think there was a, they were popular. Um, but, and I'd say mainly the offering was off the shelf. You know, it was um, stuff that we'd purchased or stuff that we'd been running for years. And it was stuff that was, you know, almost generic stuff really and you know we had other bits and pieces well like every every learning and development team maybe would have which is like you know your compliance your management training and what i refer to and i know that david james talks about this in one of his blogs um is this core provision of learning and development that sits there and the only thing i would say is that uh, although that it's for me at that particular point i didn't feel like we were particularly close to the business or the work that was actually going on. Um, so it almost felt like, you know, there was a bit of a divide from what we were doing and also what's actually really happening outside. So that was kind of the feeling I had. We also had a learning management system as well. Um, I'll be honest with you, it was awful. <laughs> it, um, I, I remember like not only the UX being terrible on it and it was you know, hard to find things, hard to log on, you know, even at the very core of what a good LMS could potentially do, which is maybe do compliance and event bookings, even event bookings, when someone booked himself on event, it went in their diary as mountain time. Now that's like, I think a Canadian time zone, I think. <laughs> so like it was, that wasn't that, yeah, I know exactly. So, you know, even your LMS couldn't get the tire, the, the event bookings, right. The, you know, so there was, there was room for, room for potentially to, to change and there was an, I think there was opportunity there um, for us to do more and get closer to the business I'd say. Okay you, you mentioned that in David's blog um, David James's blog and um, the, the word you use was just the content which well, you use the word just sits there um, L&D just sits there can you just expand upon what you mean by that? Um, God I've got to remember if I said that now <laughs> um, I, I think you know with reference to the blog I'm talking about, I, I see this a lot and I, I guess, and I witnessed this at ASOS is, and this idea that 
there are there is that core provision the stuff that you know what you I suppose every L&D team is expected to do or the business expect them to do. And they end up, you know, and this is like your, your, your stuff that let's say it's the induction management training compliance. And what you kind of tend to do is just do like um, improve, overhaul, rehash those bits in, in the, in almost that sit in the core. Um, that, but I don't, they are for me, they're not the real problems. They're kind of almost like, perceived problems that we should be doing that and they only serve L&D to you know to to improve that, that kind of core provision when outside of all of that there's a lot more business things going on that you just kind of can't get to or you're not close to so um hopefully that has answered the question like, yeah, I'm not sure. does. You know, to, to, to use the cliche you haven't got your finger on the pulse in terms of what the, what the business are doing on a day-to-day basis Absolutely, absolutely. I think you know that's 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 fair to say, and I think that you know all of the team you know potentially would probably say the same as well. Can you know compared to where we are now um, and how close uh, we are to the business? You know, looking back when we when I first started, it just didn't feel like that was the case. So, um, so those and it was oh, sorry, carry on. Adam. No, 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 and and there was a reliance on the course i think that was that that was a key thing to mention there was a reliance on courses as being the own almost being the only way like every every need that everything that came up it was like someone walking around with a hammer and the you know and it's kind of every you know the course was the the only nail they could hit you know it was almost like that was it it was almost every solution was answered by a course that people could could attend um which you know again does as we all know have limitations yeah and to clarify the context when you say course you're talking about you know a couple of days face to face a 40 minute e-learning package is is that a fair point um yeah i'm predominantly saying face to face workshop um there, there, there probably was there wasn't as much e-learning when i first started in asos but there was there was you know certainly um yeah a lot more courses mm-hmm. okay well, you set the context out really well there thank you I know you've, there was a bit of a turning point um, for you, so maybe you can expand upon that. Yeah, um, well, I'd, I'd say the turning point, and this is still in the era of, you know, 2014. It wasn't like, you know, I, I, I was in the role and I was trying things and I'd say like, I, I was always interested in like using, you know, using technology to support learning. That was kind of where my head was at the time. Um, and like, I kind of couldn't figure out like, what's the best way to do it. And, you know, I, I, I you know, at the time, I think I was doing things like maybe if I put loads of TED talks in on a website and direct people to that website, that'd be like me doing, you know, digital or, you know, what if I send them, send them an email after the course, that's maybe me doing digital. And it was like, kind of like, that was, the personal kind of journey I was going through but in terms of what happened in the business that was uh, the kind of the turning point was that we you know every year um, you know like quite regularly like uh, I suppose a lot of um, companies will have performance reviews and they came up and the team the L&D team at the time were faced with delivering workshops to remind and tell managers um, hey you need to do your performance review for your employee. This is how you do it. This is what you need to do, et cetera, et cetera. That was like, you know, we were set the, ta- the task to do that. And, you know, I, I remember within, let's say, the first few of those sessions, people just 
weren't interested because they 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 came down and it'd be things like saying things like I only came for one thing. I don't have that much. I don't have that time to come. I'm not doing the performance review for another two weeks. Why do I need to come now? And like they were like emailing even when they did come to these workshops we'd set up. They were then still asking questions uh, like to the peop- our people team like that I thought I'd already answered on on the workshops. I was like, this is nuts. And I was like, this, and it was for me that, so ultimately, you know, what, what came next was born from frustration, right? Which was like, in my head, I was like, there has to be something different. You know, there has to be a way of, you know, this is, there's, there's obviously, you know, there's a need for this, you know, because, it, you know, people like need to, I, understand what's happening with performance reviews that's important right the, but the concern wasn't there that's for sure because they don't work the performance reviews weren't for a, a little while and it was like they were kind of not really i'd say identifying with coming to that workshop as a, a way of helping them get what they need so i was thinking there must be a different different way of like positioning this so i think that what i was doing through delivering those workshops was simply not solving the problems not solving the problems of you know what you know, the, the the challenges they had so i i think that what i did and this is this is the tough part and i listened recently Lloyd, to a, a, a podcast from nick shackleton jones the good practice podcast which he talks around a lot of the business they still ask for courses so when you're an L&D professional and you think i want to try something different it's a tough tough journey to go through because you're you've also got like a certain area of the business that still want away days and courses and the rest of it but you kind of you're when you're trying to almost do something different you have to do it in a in a stealthy way so I, I remember this conversation now I went to um my director at the time I said look performance reviews I've run these sessions it, it's just it's flat what you know i want to try something different and kudos to that you know that director at the time was like yeah okay we'll try it you know and i i think that and that was the one of the takeaways that i share with other people is you know if there's an opportunity to try something different and you know be do it in a kind of hustling way i'd prefer to say you know almost do it in a way that like is outside of what you're doing you know then then try it you know give it a go and i think for me it was turning these events into questions challenges and situations um that managers would have and making them digital resources but not just you know digital resources that were like piled full of content they were actually the problems that they were facing so you know and i to get to get under the skin of what those challenges questions and problems were i asked them i said like well you know with your performance reviews coming up what concerns you have what what concerns did you have last year when they came up and we unpacked all of that and then essentially created a only only a short selection of resources that would help people from not knowing to knowing in the shortest amount of time and it wasn't it was the idea wasn't for us to you know put them on a free free hour course it was to give them enough information that would give them enough confidence and competence to be able to just get this information uh when they needed it and to just go and do their performance reviews and i think that that you know there wasn't for, for me, it was what we're not trying to do is get them in a room to try and memorize it. So they have to recall it. And then when they come to the, the time when they need it, they've already forgotten everything we've told them. These, this was really, for me, an opportunity to kind of try to try to do something different, but 
when I did it, I kind of see that there was a great deal of traction with this approach. And the, the one thing that was very obvious as well was that what people liked about what we'd done with these digital resources was they were in the context of ASOS. So they were, they were answering the question of, this is how you do performance reviews here. And that, that for me, that was the, the, I say the aha moment, Lloyd, the, the light bulb moment of, right, ah, right, this is how you do digital. So this is that, how you do. But when you say in the context, what specifically, what would that look like? Because in my mind, before you might have shared a LinkedIn article on, you know, this is what conflict is and this is how you manage it in the performance reviews, let's just say. Um, so how, if that is correct, how would, it, how would you turn that into something that's um, appropriate yeah. for ASOS? I think that there's a couple of layers to the context question, which is, first of all, it's in their language. It's how they, you know, it's how they speak, you know. So, for example, like, you know, because you could quite easily go onto Google and I could put together quite quickly loads of articles on how to do a performance review and that would be it. But that we went, right, okay, we, we know there's stuff out there. We know we've got expertise from our own people team and from the people that do these performance reviews really well in the business. Let's, um, let's let's ask them. Uh, and I think that what we did, so we the, the resources, if you, if you were, at, if you were a manager, they, they were, they were built by the questions that you'd be almost, if you had an internal Google, you'd be typing into Google, like, how would I do this? How would I do that? So that was enormous. They were, they were kind of answered like that, but they were layered with the language they, they would use. So kind of ASOS language. Um, but also, you know, within the context of those resources. So let me pull one out of a hat. It'd be saying, saying something along the lines of how to have a, you know, let's let's say what happens when your performance review, um, it, what, let's say, I'm trying to think now, sorry, Lloyd. Um, what, go back to my head of these resources I produced in 2014. <laughs> um, you know, what, what would happen if something went wrong in your performance review? And then, but then within that, there would be like, okay, in ASOS, you might want to do this or, and it was, it was all kind of, there was added context of this is what you've, what, this is what we've seen work well at ASOS. And this is the way that good managers run performance reviews at ASOS. And that was the kind of, that, I guess that was the context really. And I reflected on the podcast from the good practice guys with a podcast, which I love um, the one with Nick, Shackleton Jones, as you mentioned, and that mm. really seems to be that you know, in order for that was the catalyst for what you've done here initially. It seems like, and um, what I mean by that reflection is, you you do need to be of a mindset where you you know you're not going to be subservient to what a key stakeholder will say, um, because I think sometimes we're guilty of that. Uh, well, we are we are guilty of that, and it's not just L and D. If uh, you know the big boss says this is the direction we're going to go and this is how we're going to do it. We just nod our heads. So it does take, I'd be interested to understand from your perspective what you went through to, to challenge that, who, you know, how you did that and um, if that had an impact on the rest of the learning team. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, when I, when I kind of, when, that, when we'd run that initiative, it was clearly obvious to me that this was, this was the right approach. And there was a couple of reasons why I thought that, Lloyd. And I think, you know, not only, you know, you're, you were solving the real problems people had, you know, because they were telling you that these were the challenges. So you were solving them through because they were they were telling you, and it wasn't just content. It was like how how you do things around here. But the the key thing, another thing 
that I always think about is, you know, and this is another thing I picked up from the podcast, but very, very true, is that you're used to dealing with a group of people that now our expectations are if we have a problem, we Google it. That's the kind of nature of how it works. But then, and that's default behavior is when we encounter a problem, we find a way of Googling it. But then when you come into an organization, there's, there's it, it, and they're complex and there's processes and there's things like performance reviews, you can't look that stuff up, stuff up, and that's the stuff that the people, that's the friction that people need help with. And then you, then you add another layer to that in the world that is ASOS is that you think about us as a business that we, so we offer digital and physical experiences for our customer in a kind of sorry, they're not physical experiences, there's no stores. It's kind of digital experiences that are completely frictionless that, you know, and we we support like fast fashion so people can go on their phone, they can find a skirt or a dress or a shirt, whatever, and they can get it and it's there. And it's kind of like, that's, that's our that's our consumer, fine. But also our customers know that that's the experience we give them. So I, if I'm honest, they expect the same from when they come in here, when they need to get something, then why shouldn't they be able to get it when they need it? So that was kind of almost the the there's a couple of layers to that that I thought, you know, this this is a this is a right approach. And I it made sense to me because of those reasons. Um and I guess to answer your question, because that was a long way of answering it, um it, it's you know there was there was a couple of ways I you know to bring people along on this approach and it was a keep on showing them that this can make a difference, you know, because after that one initiative, we, you know, there was a few other business challenges that came up that we answered and there's, there was bigger ones and it just basically got bigger. But I think from, it goes, it goes without saying the first thing to do is work out loud and show people that you can, um, you know, this, this approach can make a difference, but it's not as easy as that really. I think sometimes your you know your team are kind of very used to a, a certain way of working your stakeholders like i mentioned before um you know they still expect the courses the away days etc there was a couple of different things that i i feel like were on that helped with the journey um on to kind of getting this on people's radar as oh yeah right we sh- we should be taking note of this and one of them was um we did the learning landscape survey with towards maturity now towards maturity's um studies and stats and data often get referenced i think in terms of you know and the one that for me that's really turned the screw to kind of put the put the shine the light on this is what your people are saying was when once we'd kind of established that we wanted to do this and we put this survey out to a lot of people there was one there was one stat I was so pleased when it came back and it came back high was the the number one motivation for people to learn online at ASOS was to do their job better and faster. Now, for me, that was like, that was the, 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 almost the catalyst really to, and either to, to show like, this is what your people are saying. They want, they want the fast answers. They want it on demand. They want it to be. They want to be able to get it and go. They they just want to, They just want enough so they can do what's in front of them. Would be it the task, the challenge, or the question. And that that was really for me a, a good opportunity to. When it comes to challenging stakeholders, so maybe where I'm getting to with this is what evidence or what data can you put in front of them to show this works? And you know, fair enough. That can be anecdotal. You can show people that you know, this stuff is working and, you know, 
people are liking it and they're saying it's useful but also if you've got back if you've got evidence and data to show this is working then that's also really useful as well yeah and um i was just making notes as you were going through <laughs> some of those data points so i really like the laurie niles hoffman and what she's talking about with or been talking about for a while with digital body language and i know lots of other people are, are doing something similar so did you use any other um, data points within within the business to help um, build up that picture so I imagine in 2014 you didn't have a you know I don't know a Yammer type platform but as the years progressed maybe or even SharePoint or anything like that did how, how did you get the data um, to show to the stakeholders before or after um, I'll be honest Lloyd I mean it there, we've we've always been basing it on like um, usage and click-throughs, and how many how many people looked at the how many people looked at those resources, and but then also I think that you know beyond beyond the data that kind of existed in in we had it that we could have available that we could show that people are using this stuff and they're using it a lot more than what we know you know you can almost compare it to you know, how many are going to come to courses how many were you know previously accessing the stuff we built in e-learning on that LMS, you could, you know, you could do a bit of a compare and contrast to that. Ultimately though, the thing that I really think that was, was the, the, the stat that we, we used and we also kind of honed in on was um, one that was asking people quite simply, what is this stuff useful? Is this helping you do your job? And that was the one that I think when you show that to people, when you demonstrate to your stakeholders, this, this is, this is, elevating people and they're getting getting stuff done faster and they are you know the speed to competence their efficiency is quicker as a result and uh, you know the one the one piece of work that um one piece of work i'd say one initiative with this same approach that really blew it open for me lloyd was you know pre-boarding now this is this is i think an area that a lot of people a lot of a lot of L&D teams have challenges with, which is how do you get your people ready, equipped, confident, comfortable coming into a new organization? And, you know, how do you make them ready? And again, taking this resource first approach, we did exactly that. We put, uh, we built resources, but not just built any old resources. We asked people, asked our users who are previously previous new starters what did you need to know that would help you be more confident and comfortable before you started at asos and that was important uh, and some of the things they come up with lloyd we would have never predicted you know some of the stuff like um what do i wear on my first day that, that that's like the real friction points real anxiety and i know that uh david james mentioned that on your say, yeah. you probably <laughs> you probably heard that one before because he, he mentioned it because that's the that's the one and you know once we'd you know we'd built these out and we'd iterated on them and we continued to ask the question how do we make them more useful one of the you know the key findings for that was asking the people who were using them how you know how much more confident they're comfortable were they starting now and how much did they feel did they feel like they helped them go up uh, they helped get them up to speed quicker and you know we've got, got some great results from that lloyd um i felt like i've slightly dodged the question about data <laughs> there uh, but i feel like it's you know the anecdotal part and speaking to your users continually and asking that question is this stuff useful and is it helping you if the answer is yes keep doing it that's yeah, what i'd I, say I, you didn't dodge the question i think Everything gets. I'm, I'm making so many notes here, and I think that's <laughs> as well. So, um, and I kind of feel there's a there's a second episode here, maybe a Q and A from the audience. Um, 
But yeah. when you say speak to your users, I can I can assume the quantitative stuff is is there, um, and yep. surveys and whatnot. Did you do anything qualitative? Um, um, not so much, not so much. Um, you know, and I think that you, I know it varies a lot in terms of what business you're in. Um, but, um, I would say that it's with regards to us, it was, you know, when in, in our organization, it's, we were, we were basing it a lot on, you know, what are I, what are they saying and what, what are we hearing? Uh, and aside from that, using the analytics that we had from, you know, were people accessing them? How many of them are accessing? How long were they on there for? All of those sort of things were useful. Um, but I'd say that it was more about us anecdotally speaking to our speaking to our users, I'd say. So. Yeah. One of the things I'm reflecting on at the moment is that qualitative um, side. Because we, we, you know, focus groups on any, anything new. But if you, we, we go out and learn in the industry, we'll be treated to a breakfast morning and a meeting and a discussion. And um I'm intrigued that no one, I haven't really heard of anyone that really does that internally. And for a large organization, that could prove. Yeah, it's, I think it's a, I think it's a real big, interesting subject to kind of, you know, talk more about. And, you know, and I, I guess it does vary a lot in terms of, you know, the organization you're in and how, how, you know, how keen they are to know the numbers. I know that that's one thing, you know, I know that we're probably going to come on to this a little bit later in terms of my reflections of, you know, what would I have liked to have done differently in the role would be, you know, focus a lot more on the data. Um, that's certainly something that, you know, and making sense of it, like, would probably be a big thing for me. And I'm, I'm being totally honest, you know, I'm being frank and saying that, you know, for us, it's, you know, speaking to them and asking them and understanding, you know, and even, you know, and they're obviously their line manager, etc. Um, but there's definitely some more work to be done in terms of, you know, showing evidence that this is working through the data um, rather than just because, you know, people clicking on resources is as good as bums on seats, to be honest. Um, it doesn't mean they've their behaviours change or whatever. Um, but I think that it's something, you know, for me, I'd like to work on more and spend a little bit more time in. Yeah, okay. And, um, you know, if someone was to, has just started in a, a role similar to what you're describing here, what, what tips could you give them? Lots. Uh, <laughs> um, I would say the point I made earlier on, actually, and I hopefully articulated it well enough, um, which was you know, if you are in a similar role, I'd say that you might have to try and do some stuff, you know, away from the normal kind of L&D stuff that goes on. Now, uh, what I mean by that is that, you know, what, what the, the reason I am where I am right now with like, you know, the resource first approach and speaking to our users, being user centric and all that sort of stuff, all the where, where we've got to from since 2014 is because I did a bit of side hustling when I was basically going, right, well, this ain't working. I'm going to try something different over here on my own, but I still acknowledge that there is all this stuff in L&D that's still going to go on. So, you know, you're going to have people that will still insist on courses. Your team will still run, run the courses. But if you are curious enough and you want to challenge yourself, then just do it you know, run, run small experiments and, you know, find some early adopters, find some people that support it, but, you know, don't be too hard on yourself to kind of, you know, you're not going to change the world. That's what I, you're not going to change the world overnight. You've just got to do little bits of it and then try and find the good in that. And then, you know, scale that up and, you know, then express it. And I think the one thing I've seen, which has been super encouraging and people love it now is that I've almost developed my own language in the, in the business, you know, like 
I, you know, when I say resources, I insist on people calling them resources. You know, if it's like, no, nah, content, I'm like, no, nah, nah, these are resources. And, you know, all of the, like, you know, when I talk about friction and when we talk about, you know, sprints, whatever. And it's, it's interesting now, like the team get behind that, you know, they're really, and they, and it's kind of, that takes time as well. You've got to bring people on board. You've got to, uh, but not be too forceful. I think that's really important. I, I think I acknowledge in my early days in my career, when I knew that I was interested in technology, Lloyd is I could be a bit of a bull in a China shop and going, yeah, this is, we have to put this on, you know, we have to do this in a digital way. And I think that sometimes that can get the better of you. Just, just show the value of what you're doing, but do it in a, do it in a way that brings people along in a respectful way and appreciates that they might not be in the same place as you you know and just kind of ease them into it and you know that's that's the way to do it and i think again show them just show them you know this is the, look oh that's a great way of doing it uh, this is here's, here's another way but don't force it down people's necks i think that's really important um i'm trying to think of what else really i think that the um in terms of tips i would give people i would another big one for me um is you're in lnd yeah you but don't have a bubble or don't be an island i'd say that there is a world out there in your business that you can make friends with and go out there and speak to product managers uh if there's anyone who works in in agile you know in your business mainly probably in tech speak to them marketing ux there's so many there's so much learning you can take from different people around the business that you know even if your department isn't you know, in thinking in user centric and they don't, you know, you don't, you're not there yet though that you can fast track how you do that with speaking to people that are not necessarily in L and D that said, that said, if you are in a role like this, there's an opportunity. I, I honestly don't know another industry that's more willing to share the learning and development. And, you know, from the connections I've got with you, Lloyd, who, you know, have another connection, another connection. If you put yourself out there, you use your network, you know, go on LinkedIn, join groups, listen to podcasts. There you go. There's a little plug for you, Lloyd. Mm-hmm. But I just think, <laughs> I think there's, you know, if you are at that point in your career where you're like, there's a different way of doing this. I'm curious. I'm, I know that I want to add value in the work I'm doing. Uh, you know, I really want to do it not through technology enabled learning, but drive, you know, drive true digital change and add value that way. Then use your network, speak to people. There's people doing some amazing stuff out there that, you know, that worth listening to. So that would be my advice to whoever's listening. I get what you say as well, because I've seen it quite a few, well, a number of times where people get they put themselves in boxes and digital and tech and what that's a box you can get locked in. And yep. what I like about the stuff you've um, shared and the stuff that I've seen with um, Sky that I spoke with David about uh, recently, and there's probably others, but like you say, they're not out there and I haven't seen them. Um, it's, you know, buzzwords like agile, you're describing the reality here rather than just using the terminology. And I'm keen to, to ask a question on that. So, you mentioned agile user experience marketing yeah the point were you did you and but you also mentioned the word about yourself and others curiosity so did you have knowledge of those or um you mentioned you spoke to people in the business but did you attend any courses yourself were did you read any books how 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 did you go through that journey um that's a great question, Lloyd. Because um, I'm instantly now thinking of where was the moment, and I think it, there wasn't there wasn't a particular you know ah oh, light bulb moment that I recall. I think it was just through it was through reading and 
like and uh, like looking online doing my research speaking to other people doing this stuff and you know like like you you've referenced already you david and tracy like you've seen people doing different stuff it was that that it just little bits of all of that coming together and going okay you know i i acknowledge that that there is a world outside of L&D, but the, ultimately what it comes down to is these department, those departments or those type of roles I've mentioned, let's, let's say it's product or, you know, the, you know, we have agile delivery managers here at ASOS or UX and marketing, they get stuff right because they're close to the customer. You know, they, they, they are kind of, they, everything they do, you know, your user journeys, they're kind of the way they map it out and with marketing and, you know, particularly UX, everything, you know, they, they all about the user experience. It's for me, that was, you know, knowing that they do that, but then also then I'm reflecting on what I'm trying to achieve in L&D is get close to the person, get close and get close to the business, get close to the work they're doing. Those guys, those people know how to get close to whoever they're serving, the consumer or the customer. So, you know, they can, they can offer some great tips on how to do that, I'd say. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So um, I'm interested to know about... Um, you know, line managers working with someone like you and their team. Yeah. Because you've mentioned a lot of things that, that, again, to borrow another buzzword, might be quite disruptive or to a lot of organizations, let's just say quite new. And someone might be listening saying, wow, you know, I'm just going to try this thing that Adam's mentioned. But if a manager was listening or if the, yeah, what tips could you give them to help? Um, in reference to if a manager was managing someone like me or like they, they want to try it. I think um, because there's, there's two points. You've got an idea and you need to go and speak upwards. But also mm -hmm. a manager might be listening and I say manage someone in a leadership role, head of manager, whatever. Um, like how, what could they also do to enable this creative freedom? Because I don't think that's a way that some people think they do or think they are, but actually maybe, maybe they're not. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I think first of all, the first part of that question may be like, let's let you've got like a digital learning person in your team. Um, then I would probably encourage uh, that manager or that you know head of whatever it might be to let them try and break stuff and run safe experiments. I guess to try to try stuff out, and you know, and and what I mean by that is like, you know, don't. Let, allow them to do that in a in a kind of space where they can you know try stuff really and just do stuff differently and challenge the norm a little bit to kind of what's what's already done um that would probably be my advice because that's kind of when i reflect when i reflected on that question lloyd my you know i thought about what my manager gave me was space and opportunity and you know this kind of permission to to, to kind of like to go and license to try stuff and do something a little bit different. The other thing that I did in reverse was, you know, and it, uh, it, this might not be the right timing, but also a very tactful, tactful thing I did was, you know, as my, as my manager came into the business, I remember, and this was kind of like a, an ace up my sleeve. I gave them the resource first experience. Like, you know, for example, so their journey, their onboarding and journey into the business was completely, <clears throat> completely resources and it helped them get up to speed quicker. So, you know, they became almost an advocate, but just by being, seeing it and being used themselves. So I don't know how applicable that example could be for someone else, but that was certainly what I did to get them on board quicker. Um, Another thing I'd say is if you've got someone like that in your team is to, you know, for them to share it and for them to work out loud and, you know, to, to 
kind of express themselves in a ways through be it blogs or you know you know sharing it with their their immediate team you know i think that's important um i think sorry that was i feel like that's answered the first part of the question the second part of the question was um around what can you do to get started in this space is that right lloyd sorry so you yeah into some of these ideas and you want to go to um your your report your line report and say okay i've got this idea what's maybe one thing you could say try this um i would say you know going back to you know again quoting david james here is um find a problem find a problem to solve um and you know if there's whatever that hole in the bucket is um take that problem and just play around with it and try and almost attempt to try and solve it in a in a different way than what you're doing right now so you know you know and speak you know speaking to you all those sort of ways you just try it and then but do it in a way that you can isolate and you could do it with a certain group employee group or whatever it might be and then if it works and you can like like you know david said all these experiments and you scale it up from there and i just almost feel like don't don't go too big with this don't put big bets on this stuff and just if you can start small and you know build it out um so i would say that if there's an opportunity to do that, you know, I know that some, it's kind of, it's not easy to get started in this stuff. And you sometimes, you know, when I first started doing what I was doing with like, you know, the approach, it was getting a little bit of permission, but almost being a bit kind of rebellious and doing it kind of outside of the learning management system. So I can't say that I was totally given approval from a manager to kind of go ahead and try this stuff. Um, but I think it was, <laughs> I think you can, if you can, give them a problem to solve in a different way. And that would probably be, you know, and challenge them on that. That would probably be my yeah. advice. <laughs> maybe uh, beg, be prepared to beg for forgiveness. Mm. Know that rather than always ask for permission. I Definitely, definitely. Yeah, and I think that would be, um, that'd be my approach. Um, no, and, you know, it's, it's certainly got me thinking, Lloyd, because I don't have a team. I don't manage anyone. So I've not had to, you know, my influences have had to almost be, I've had to leave with authority and without authority, should I say. So almost kind of getting people on board through, you know, influence, inspiring them, being passionate about it. And rather than kind of almost like, you know, getting someone to, you know, totally, totally be, you know, I haven't got a direct report to kind of almost think about in that sense. So but I think you make a good point there. Um you use the word authority, and I, th- I think we're moving into a world where it's more about authority of knowledge, and that in turn yep. brings its own, you know, power dynamic. Um, whereas the hierarchical um, organisational structure relies on authority of you know position. Um, so yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. Uh, no, no, no. But Lloyd, I think you've you've pulled up a good point there. I think that one thing that I've always tried to equip myself with when I go into conversations about this is try and be the smartest person in the room with regards to knowing about digital. So like, and that's what I meant when I said about like, if you've got an opportunity and you're in this space and you network and you read and you research and you do all this sort of stuff, then if you're going in there and you're quoting uh, evidence and you're quoting uh, case studies and other ways other people have done it, then, then there's this, that your, the belief in your own your own self belief that you know, but also, you know, the passion and, and belief that others will see in you that you know that you've you know your stuff really, and I think that it is about like you like you said, it's about knowing your stuff in this space, um, and you know there's there's a lot of people that are willing to help you on that journey as well. You know that that it's 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 one that you you start very curiously, you know, because I like I 
Like I, I, I feel feel more confident than I've ever felt right now in terms of this in this, being in this space. But it wasn't always like this, and it was it was just come through, you know, going to conferences, speaking to people, knowing who to knowing who to go to, and all those sort of things, and just kind of being brave and going dropping them a LinkedIn message, going, "Hey, I I watched you do a talk. Tell me more about that." That's the sort of stuff that's going to elevate you from from where you are now if you are on this journey to kind of being even further in this space i'd say yeah and you keep using a word that i love curiosity um you, you have to have that you know that's i think the spark needs to be there and you just need to yep. act on that and have the confidence to yeah hundred yeah and i think the, the confidence is you know because i've I, I know a few people that i've worked with previously there is maybe a bit of curiosity but it's the this confidence to go right what are you going to do with that curiosity you know how are you going to like who you're going to ask who you're going to network with what you know all those sort of things is you know and i i i think it has come through that i would just think about the other day like where like these people that I go to now in my kind of LND network, I always think, where did they come from? And it came from just me persevering with, you know, hassling them and asking them questions and being on their radar. And that's kind of what I'd encourage other people to do. If you, but the, you, do you know what the thing is? You've got to want to do it. You've got to want to, and you've got to care enough to do it. I think that's really important, you know, and if you do care enough and you want to add value and you want to make a difference, then, then do that. I'd say. <laughs> okay. Well, it sounds as if you've had an amazing time at ASOS. And I say it sounds as if it's from you, but also lots of people um, follow you and lots of people will mention your name when I speak to them. Now, you're, and you're moving on to pastures new. If you could mm -hmm. stop, start and continue, um, should you have your time again at ASOS, what would you, what would you do? Um, I, 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 I thank you for your pre notes on this Lloyd, because I already started to think about them because it's, that's not an easy one to answer on the fly. Uh, <laughs> but I, it is definitely helpful to kind of, uh, and do you know what, to be totally honest with you, and this is going to sound like a bit of a cop out now. I've already, I've made, I've referenced some of these points already, but I'm going to, I'm going to tell them, I'm going to tell you what they are again. Uh, <laughs> so first of all, I'd say the stop would, the stop, if I was going to start my role again, I've probably been guilty of pushing my agenda on people and like saying that they should be like believing in the way that I do things and, you know, the approach and the principles. And I've learned the hard way. I have my fingers burnt with that. And I think that, you know, you've got to kind of show people in a way that just brings them on board and appreciates they're not at the same point as you, which I've already mentioned. That would probably be where I would, I would, wouldn't have done that if I could start it again. Start, I've already mentioned this one as well, collecting more data <laughs> uh, to show, you know, that, you know, because that's important to show you success. And I think I'm still on that journey myself. You know, the one thing I really wanted to call out is that I've, had, I've really loved every minute of my time here, but it's still a journey. And it, we haven't like, you know, I've not solved every problem I wanted to solve here. And I've not like, you know, we are still on that path and we, you know, it isn't, uh, you know, it isn't kind of wrapped up perfect right move on it's kind of there's still a lot of moving pieces and for me that was that's the one thing i'd love to spend more time in is that is in the in the space of showing the data and analytics of the success we've had um and the final one which has been a a word that i honestly have got this in writing i'm not just saying it my continued one is to continue being curious so there you go uh, <laughs> so it was good i think it was a good recap on our conversation yep um, so quick fire questions. Yeah. I always say like you've got 30 seconds, but let's just see how this goes. Yeah. Sources or resources, to, which is probably more relevant word for this show. Are you learning for, from right now? 
uh, I would say, I know it's a classic one. I still use LinkedIn a lot. I, I, I think Twitter is, I, I, I think Twitter is incredibly underrated. And if you follow the right talks and the hashtags and all that sort of stuff, you can get some amazing stuff on there. You know, I think that that's, um, but, 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 of course, there's some great people doing some good podcasts right now. So that would also be another, another area as well. So, yeah, cool. Um, and so I think we've already mentioned the good pra- practice one. Um, yep. I'm always digging up Danny Seals. Is uh, Danny Seals, yep, good friend, yeah, good guy, and yeah, there's um. Any more? Um. Oh man, I do you know what I? Uh, no, I don't actually. In terms of the R and D space, there's there's that they are the big three, the the top three. You know, you guys. So um, by the, by the way, I'm not not doing a ranking order of preference. By the way, at the moment. Okay, <laughs> um, which so you mentioned some resource there which one person would you recommend we follow on social media and why and i'm going to chat if you if you say a name that's already been recommended on a previous show which you may not know i'll say someone else yep um i'm not I'm, I, there's no way i can accept just one person there's three people i think that people should listen to now um david james miles runham and nick shackleton jones three people who are just talking a lot of sense right now mm-hmm. we had a chat before about um, miles and so that he's definitely someone I'm going to check out. So thank you. Yep, no worries. And if you could change one thing about your industry, what would it be? Oh, wow. Um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of good people doing good stuff. And um, I would say my only one thing would try, try and shift away from the course. Don't be so, you know, and let, let, I mentioned it right at the very start of this podcast. You know, it's, it's it's not the only it's not the only thing in your toolbox uh, and it, you, there's no reliance on it in in the industry for sure so like you know and explore different ways and that that's what i'd encourage if my would be my last thing okay thank you adam how can people reach out to you um linkedin um certainly you know drop me a line on there and also i tweet at adam harwood 26 so um feel free to drop me a tweet um if you want to talk more i'm I, again just to extend an invitation to other people listening to this i'm more than happy to share more of my story and and, and anyone on this journey who is managing someone like me or potentially is in the same role or what you know when they when they're going through that journey and i'm more than happy to kind of tell you and help you through it as well so great adam thanks for your time it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show thank you very much lloyd thanks adam for your time when i finished editing this podcast i mowed the lawn and i just found myself taking notes again um and I hope you guys have done the same here, and, you know, not mowed the lawn as such, but made notes if you're with me, um, because really Adam's given us a rich amount of information that we can use and apply on our day-to-day practice, and I genuinely believe at all levels. So once again, thank you, Adam, for your time. I really appreciated chatting with you. If anyone here has found this of value, I would be really grateful if you can share it with your network. Uh, The only way in which I'm introducing this show to others is through my listeners and and your help, which I continually appreciate and respect. Thank you, guys, and hopefully you'll be able to hear from me next week.